Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. everyone welcome to another episode of two peas on a podcast i'm so happy that you joined me again this week gerald here with you of course and another exciting episode this week extra exciting because i have a first time guest on the show i love when that happens i love when other podcasters and entertainers reach out to me to come on the show it's always just it's just awesome for me i love it to hear these new voices on the show and i've got a new one this week his name is david i didn't ask him you go by dave or you go by david what do you prefer Usually David or DQ or even just Q. Like, <laughs> All right, well, the, yeah, most people, if, it's funny because like if, if people from my podcast are listening right now, they're going to be like, who the hell is David? But uh, yeah, Q, okay. Q or DQ is fine. So DQ, we'll, 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 we'll stick with DQ or Q, I guess. Yeah. So many names, man, from the Bird Road podcast, which is a podcast that truth be told, I was not super familiar with until recently. And I know your co-host on that show, Dave Rosen, and I've been on That's his right. show before, and he's been on this show before. Mm-hmm. So since you've never been on, man, and I think it's a really cool concept, I was actually listening to a couple episodes today because I knew I was going to have you on. It gets pretty weighty. It's pretty deep yeah. conversation over there you guys uh, dive into every week, which I actually used to do on this show. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. My, The first year of my show, we were a current events show. So talk a little bit about what you do, man, and tell people a little bit about Bird Road. Yeah, so Bird Road is uh, based off of it's it's eponymous to the the sort of main street here and that runs through the middle, the heart of Miami. I'm in Miami. My co-host is in Las Vegas. It's a politics show uh, where we were initially when we when we sort of dreamed the show up, we wanted to explore progressive politics in the context of um, of purple states like ours, Florida and Nevada. Mm-hmm. That whole framing has kind of changed over the years. Now we we kind of focus on like parts of like media narratives and communication that don't really add up and like what the truth and reality of an issue is versus the way that it's presented in media. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk about the reasons behind that. We interview a lot of, um, a lot of people who don't usually have platforms, people who are a little further to the left in the political spectrum. um, And don't usually, you don't really hear their voices on places like MSNBC or, or CNN. So uh, yeah, that's the, that's the show. It's been on about three and a half years and uh, kind of just chugging along, man. I was just curious, you know, Two Peas is not that anymore. But like I said, the first year, me and my initial co-host, his name's Andy, and we did, you know, basically just like a current event show. And it did often, you know, kind of drift off into politics and stuff like that, especially during the Trump years and everything. Because we actually started our podcast in 2016 because Trump won. Like right. we were we were at work just kind of like, 
really in shock, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. just kind of discussing how that was able to happen. And we were like, you know what, let's just record this. And that's kind of how Two Peas was born. So, I mean, I'm just curious because it did really bog me down after a period of time where it just kind of got to be so much, you know, it was just such an emotional, yeah. like... It's a drain, man. It yeah, takes a yeah. toll. So I was going to ask how you deal with that. I, you know, I, I have an operating theory about again this goes back to sort of what we what we try to do which is you know ex- examine um you know media narratives and 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 the information that gets presented to you and why it's being presented to you that way and um i i kind of have this operating theory that that's the point the point is to do exactly what happened to you mm-hmm. but that that is the end goal to have people who are um you know earnestly interested in being civically engaged in their community getting these crushing, depressing national messages dropped on them and eventually kind of losing hope and saying like, damn, man, this is just a a, a buzzkill. And mm-hmm. frankly, it feels too big to get your arms around. Um, and yeah, like we struggle with that a lot. I'll say that from our perspective, what we try to do when we feel that way is go a little smaller, mm-hmm. find somebody who's working on something positive and encouraging yeah. or important on a local level. And we put we we try to elevate a lot of local voices, people again, people who you don't find on like you know bigger media outlets. And when we do that, it, it kind of uh, eases that um, that that anxiety that we all have from just watching our Twitter feed or watching the news. Yeah. It, it 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 can be too much, man. And if you let it be, especially these days, you're talking about four four or five years ago when Trump was elected. Yeah, I mean these days. Holy cow, man. It, you can, it can be enough to really, yeah, it can yeah. be enough to really kick your ass. Yeah, real life can be uh, a lot more scary and sad and all those things, but it can be happy too. And you guys are doing, you're doing good stuff over there, man. And I know what goes Thanks, into man. that where you have to, because you really have to stay on top of it, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing that really, um, you know, weighed me down in the podcasting world as an indie podcaster is that obviously I have a real job and a family and everything, so I can't. You know, spend eight or 10 hours a day watching MSNBC and doing research, you know, so it it got to be a lot on the front end and then you're recording and then you're editing. So I know what goes into it, man. So I just wanted to commend you. I was listening to a couple episodes today. I appreciate that. And anybody that, you know, follows, you know, the news or politics, make sure you check David and Jewish Dave. Is that what you're calling him? Jewish Dave. Yeah. David Rosen is, look, (laughs) if you're out there, if you're, if if you're a two peas listener out there and you ever interact with uh, uh, David Rosen, make sure on on social media, make sure you call him Jewish Dave. Jewish Dave. I'm sure he loves him. He loves it. It's his favorite. It's It's his favorite shit. It's It's the best. It's the best. (laughs) So Bird Road Pod, uh, DQ from Bird Road Pod. That's what we're going to go with tonight, I think. Let me make a note of that so I don't forget that later. Thanks. <laughs> I got to remember those letters. DQ. Dairy Queen. I should be able to remember that. Yeah, yeah. Go on. This is a national brand. I'm, I'm, I'm drafting off of a, you know the multi million dollar advertising budget and brand right. awareness budget uh, of Dairy Queen. Hell so, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Softy freeze, man. All right. So you know, obviously a lot uh, less in terms of like the weight, right? Because we're just doing a fun top five show. So a little something different for you, which might be cool too. DQ. Hell so. yeah. But, you know, you came up with a few topics for me and you emailed me a couple weeks ago and I said, yeah, man, let's do it. You know, you came on the reference of Jewish Dave, who I love. He's been on the show a couple of times and I've been on his show. He's a great dude. So I said, yeah, man, let's do it. Now, this is the one we kind of settled on. Why don't you tell all the listeners what we are counting down this evening? Yeah. So I had a little bit of an ulterior motive after hearing a couple of your shows and the, the topic that we're going to go in on to go into 
tonight, today, is the top five short-lived, canceled-before-their-time TV shows. Yeah. And I feel like you and a lot of the guests that you bring on have a very savvy understanding of this industry, like the larger Hollywood culture-making industry. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do that I thought might be interesting to hear from your perspective is explore this new formula that's out there that I don't think any of us know what the actual formula is, which is how is a thing a thing um, defined as successful or not successful these days? How is it something you cancel versus something that you don't, that you keep yeah. going? And it has become such a many variable thing that mm. it's uh, – you look at some of these – uh, like your last episode, I know was about um, uh, about Netflix, the top five a rehash of or not a rehash, but an update of mm. your net your top five Netflix um, right. shows. And I think about that tranche of shows that Netflix just canceled. Some of them were great and people really loved and really enjoyed, but there's some algorithm somewhere yeah, saying exactly. no, 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 yeah, exactly. That show doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And it's such a mysterious thing, and I it really love to hear your take on it. And like. What makes things successful and not cancelable anymore? I mean, I'm with you, man, where it's kind of like a mystery because, I mean, right. so many things are streaming now. And so many things are just kind of like on demand. You know, I can remember. How old are you, DQ? Uh, 40. The big yeah, 4 so baby. So I'm 45. So, you know, we're roughly in the same range there. But, you yeah. know, I can remember a time where you got three or four channels. And, you know, you, you had to watch what was on. And that was it, you know, and now right. it's like you have literally a million things that you can just click a button and watch whenever you want, not necessarily at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night, you know. So it is kind of strange. Uh, the numbers play into that and, and the downloads they get and that kind of stuff. So I really don't know. But I'm kind of part of the problem, too, because I kind of like it because, mm -hmm. you know, with the podcast and YouTube and my family and work and like, you know, it who has time to be at on the couch at a certain time these days, which exactly. is sad, it's sad to say, but I mean, the times we live in are not the eighties or nineties. I mean, right. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because I think about this other podcast that I listen to that um, is a, a big sort of mainstream corporate podcast that is uh, pretty well respected. It, it's um, a culture show. It's based in LA has probably hundreds of thousands of listeners. And this podcast has on occasion, the two hosts have decided, like, oh, we like this show. Yeah. And this show that's struggling to get a million viewers on HBO, right? And they'll, with their power of hundreds of thousands of, of listeners, elevate that show. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's not even a th it's not even about ratings anymore. It's about, oh, this show is now part of a cultural conversation. And right. maybe it only has 1.2 million people watching it, but it's on the front page of The Ringer every every week and we got to I guess we got to keep this show going. Sure enough, those shows very often get renewed. And I just think that that's such a like a an esoteric way to like it, it's such a confusing convoluted way to to, to run this enormous business. It's like, oh, well, maybe this thing's not making money, but people are paying attention to it and talking right. about it. And then contrast that with shows that don't pierce that um, that sort of prestige veil, but are watched by tens of millions of people and get, never go off the air. Yeah, I guess it's similar to, to movies in that respect, too, where you have the box office draw, the money that it's making for the studios. But then you have these little indie films that the critics and the awards circuit love, you know? Yeah. And it's similar in that way where it's like it's not making money, but people are talking about it and it's winning awards, you know? So yeah. 
it still kind of gets the prestige in that way. I don't know. Right. It, it is a strange time we live in, DQ. <laughs> it's a fucking <laughs> weird time, you know? I, I will say this, though. My last little bit of, of like, like before, as we, like, sort of uh, do some throat clearing before we, we start this, mm-hmm. I will say in doing this, I realized that all of my favorite shows get canceled. All yeah. of them. You, you either and I thought of like the 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 Dark Knight. I think it was from the Dark Knight, like some version of it where it's like you either get canceled or you live long enough to become <laughs> dog shit. And, That's and, right. And it's either that or you're. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia, which will never probably be canceled. That show's yeah. been on for you know thirty years, and I, I don't know. Think I love that show too, by the way. But yeah. Well, when you were coming yeah. up with your list, man, for our short-lived TV shows, now we're in the same age bracket. I mean, I'm five mm-hmm. years older than you, but that's not too far off. Yeah, same thing. I was I was shocked personally when I was making my list. All of my shows, with the exception of one of them, is it within the last twenty years, which was kind of um, crazy to me because yeah. I watched a ton of TV in the eighties and nineties. What What about your list? Without giving away any titles, you know, when you were coming up with it, was it easy for you to make? Like you said, you had a ton that got canceled too early. So, how was it kind of narrowing down this list for you? I have one. That is in our our sort of appended also rans section later at the end. That is from our childhood. That is that it will be a name that you probably remember mm-hmm. as being like a little kid, you know, in your room watching it. Uh, but almost everything else is in the last fourteen years. I would say okay in the last like from two thousand seven forward. Um, pretty yeah, modern, almost yeah, pretty modern. And I'll tell you the reason why is. I don't know about you, but like when I was a teenager and when I was in my, you know, out and about, you know, being on the town, going out every weekend, 20s, I didn't really watch a lot of TV. And then right. also prestige TV didn't really hit until we were like around 30-ish. Like it wasn't uh, it wasn't like, oh, Sunday night appointment viewing for HBO when right. I was 23. There was nothing I was interested in right. sitting down and watching on TV. Movies, another – Sure. That's a different yeah. topic, but and- you know – yeah. And I think it speaks to the time, too, that we were talking about earlier, because as we get further and further along in our calendar here, we're in 2021, shows are just typically more short lived than they used to be. You know, I feel like yeah. I feel like more shows get canceled as at, you know, as we get closer to where we are in the timeline, if that makes sense. You know, I think in the 80s and 90s, when you had the Nielsen ratings and you had, you know, three basically channels competing against each other. You could have a show run for 10 years and it was like, you know, no big deal because every right. station had that. But now it's like you got to, you know, if you're not getting the eyeballs, you're off, you know, you're done. It's it's a very short leash that these shows are on these days, I feel like. So, well, well think about it this way. Like, would you, you never heard about this, which has become a very popular trope these days when you talk to showrunners or you hear from, from them, um, this trope that is a complete invention of i would say like the last 15 years where you'll hear a you know a david weiner or or somebody like that say oh the show went four seasons and it ran its course that's what that's what we wanted we wanted to do four seasons yeah nobody in the 80s ever said that they were like no we want another season and another one after that and we don't care we'll come up with more story we don't care (laughs) i wanted to run literally forever forever (laughs) yeah but that's not the case these days you know they write the arc in four or five years they're out of there you know so yeah. I agree with you, man. All right, I tell you what, let's get into it, brother. So we're going to sure. do our top five short-lived television shows. David from Bird Road Podcast is here. I'm going to let you go first, man. What's your number five? So my number five is a show that was canceled because nobody saw it, and I will be shocked if you or any of your listeners or watchers saw it. Wow! It was The Bridge on FX. Uh, it was an hour-long drama. 
Um, it ran from 2013 to 2014. It had two seasons. Uh, it was created by Meredith Stein and El- Elwood Reed. It starred Damien Bashir and, uh, and Diane Kruger. It was, it was this brilliant. Um, first of all, have you heard of this show or no? No, no. I was about to Google it actually as you were talking, but go ahead. Okay. So the, the bridge was this show that seemed like it was such a specifically made show for a, a, a place and a moment. It was about. Um, the, the animating action, the first scene of the show is uh, a dead body is found on a bridge in between Juarez and, um, and El Paso, Texas, right? And, and the body is directly on the actual line of demarcation. So this um, uh, Chihuahua State Police Officer, Damien Bashir, who's played by Damien Bashir, has to work with a, uh, with a, a member of El, Paso, El Paso's homicide team who's Diane Kruger, who most people probably remember from um, Inglorious Bastards. Right. And uh, they have to form this uneasy alliance. He's somewhat corrupted, but it's presented in this light where you understand that to work in law enforcement in Mexico, you kind of have to be a little bit corrupted. Um, And he's... He, he's working alongside of this, um, you know, blonde gringa American woman who is also has undiagnosed Asperger's and has okay. this difficulty dealing with people uh, on an interpersonal level, but is an incredible detective. And I'll tell you, man, this is people give me give me shit when I say this. And I haven't said this on, on podcasts before Uh-oh. this this show in its two seasons. I'll take the two seasons of this show over the three seasons of True Detective. And wow. I say that I say that because they're very similar in tone. Okay, they're yeah. very similar in like in feel and vibe. And True Detective was what one incredible season, an awful season, and a pretty good season. Right. This right. is two two really 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 good seasons of television. What was the and, year on uh, this again? What was the year on it? Twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen. So True Detective came after this, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. If- I'll never, I'll never forget when my daughter was born in in uh, in 2013. True Detective was on, and I would like spend nights like watching it, like with her falling asleep on me, and, yeah. she, and so like that's why I'll always remember that True Detective was out at the same time. Now, here's the thing about the bridge. What what's so fascinating about this show is that, like I said earlier, it's this unique moment. It's like what else could be like that 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 dynamic in between. Texas and and um and Mexico and Chihuahua State and like that all of the the loaded context of like U.S. and Mexico relations and the way that um, these are two cities that are generally about the same size but in one they get about six or seven homicides a year and then in the other one they get thousands yeah right so wow that's super original no this show is a remake this show is a remake and it originally took place hmm. on the Swedish and Danish border. So wow, they took this. I guess I, I don't know much about Swedish Danish geopolitics or nah. whatever, but like <laughs> they took this um, this dynamic and they exported it to the okay. U.S. audience, and um, they did it incredibly. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a great show. Season two, a great season two has a great uh, a great guest appearance by a, a guest arc of math by Matthew Lillard, who I hadn't Ooh. seen in forever. Oh, so. Stu from Scream, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know if you know Stu I'm a huge fan of that. Okay, all right. <laughs> wow, I don't know why I don't know this, but okay, the bridge that was on FX, you said, right? That's right. All right, that's your number five. It sounds like a bit of a crime drama. Is that how you would categorize that's that? That's exactly what it is, a crime drama. Yeah, like a very hard-boiled neo-noir style crime drama. Okay, well, guess what? My number five is a crime drama, which I didn't expect right. to cross over on genres right away. But <laughs> this is a, a show that aired initially in 2007, and it was on one of the primetime networks. It was on NBC. 
And I just remember I watched this with my grandmother at the time because I was staying with her for a couple of years when this show aired. It ran for two seasons. And we freaking loved this show, man. We we were like, this was one of those shows where we were on the couch at 9 p.m. every, I don't know, whatever it was, Thursday night or whatever, watching a show called Life. Have you ever <laughs> heard of a show called Life as a cop drama? No, when I think of when I think of life, what I think of is the Eddie Murray or uh, Eddie, sorry, Murphy Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I haven't heard of this show. So, and a lot of people hadn't, but it stars Damian Lewis, uh, the redheaded actor that was in Homeland. Do you know him? Sure. And yeah, uh, love Damian Lewis. I, I can't remember the Showtime show that he's on currently, but I he, love that you went to Homeland and not Billions. That's a good Billions. <laughs> that's the one I was thinking of. Billions. I was thinking of Billions. I just couldn't think of the title. Uh, well, okay, so here's what it says on the description online here. It says, after serving time for 12 years for a crime that he didn't commit, Detective Charlie Cruz returns to his job at, at the LAPD, and he basically, so the show takes on there him trying to solve the crime of who committed the murders, because it wasn't him. So mm-hmm. he he gets off because of DNA evidence. He was he was um, supposed to serve life in prison, but he got out after okay. 12 years because of DNA evidence of that DNA came to light. Evidence. But the public still thinks he's guilty. Like, you know, they still kind of like have, think he's shady and they don't think that he should have been let out of jail and everything. So it takes on this whole thing where he's like doing his normal police detective work. But at the, in the background, in his free time, so to speak, he's trying to solve the mystery of who actually committed the murders that he was accused of. So hmm. that's the show. And it only ran for two seasons. I want to say maybe like 30 episodes total, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we, I love this show, man. It's got it's such a cool, and it's actually on Peacock, you know, because they have the streaming okay. service now, so you can actually stream it. But it's a show called Life that originally aired in '07. That's my number five. Let Let me ask you, um, did they was the and this is probably a question that we should maybe bake into every one of our submissions. Mm-hmm. Was there a satisfying ending, or no. was it a cliffhanger that never got resolved? Nope, it got same canceled. thing. Same thing with the bridge, by the way. Just going back one, I should mention. It got canceled, and the way that that it ended in the second season, just like it sounds like with life, it was like, what the hell's going to happen next? And you never find out. It got canceled too soon because we weren't able to find out who the true killers were. I mean, he had this whole, like, room in his house. And by the way, he got a huge settlement, you know, for going to prison unlawfully. Mm -hmm. So he got a huge settlement. He had, like, a mansion, and there was, like, nothing in it. Like, he had no furniture. (laughs) Like, he just had, like, a fridge and, like, a desk. And uh, But he just has this huge house or whatever. And um, Adam Arkin played his cellmate in prison who got released. He was in prison for, like, tax evasion. So, anyway, the two of them have this room in the back of his mansion that he has all these, like, newspaper clippings and, like, different, like, theories and stuff where he's trying to solve the crime. So, each episode kind of points to a different, like, link to his, you know, ultimate theory. And we're getting closer and closer and closer to connecting the dots, and then the show just ended. So mm-hmm. it was really unfulfilling in that way too, which kind of sucks. Uh, my memory is a little hazy on it, on the end of it, but I just know that it didn't get resolved, which kind of bummed me and my grandmother out at the time. So, did you pop on any of these to like try to refresh yourself? Because I spent maybe about an hour on like popping on a few of these shows that I haven't seen in a long time. I didn't, but I have a cool anecdote for what my number one ended up being, which I think oh, okay. it, I okay. think it probably would have been my number one anyway. But I'll I'll explain when I get there. But that's the only one that would. <laughs> be yes to your and answer to your question there mm. all right so you had the bridge at number five a show that i had not heard of what about your number four man number four might be a show that you've heard of it did generate a lot of buzz at the time this was in the moment um 2011 through 2012 it only ran for two seasons and it was in the moment if you remember where every network 
all of uh, particularly the premium and um and uh and non-basic cable networks were trying to like take a home run swing and have their madmen or their sopranos their like prestige like this is a serious and important show that you should be paying attention to mm-hmm. whereas i think a few years later what started happening is you saw people start trying to subvert that and be like oh yeah but what if madmen was like you know, sillier. What if Sopranos was a half-hour comedy? Mm-hmm. But this was still in that moment where everything was, you know, capital S serious. And this is a stars show that I absolutely loved. And I, it was, for me, appointment viewing. Uh, it was called Boss. Now, I don't mm. know if you ever heard of Boss. Boss was created by uh, Farhad Sarfina. And it starred Kelsey Grammer, Connie Nielsen, Jonathan Groff. T.I. was in it. This sounds um, super familiar. But Let me refresh your memory, see if if because it's a very unique premise. It's a really unique premise. Uh-huh. Uh, Kelsey Grammer basically plays like I would say one of the greatest TV villains of all time. He's just this menacing, swaggering, evil creature. Wow. He, 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 his name is Tom Kane. He's a long-serving mayor of Chicago. Uh, he's a basically a, a, a send-up of Richard Daly, the real-life long-serving member uh, uh, mayor of Chicago. He's uh, corrupt, conniving, Machiavellian. He's always five steps ahead of everybody. It, it's like I would say, imagine the kind of cunning and ruthlessness that it would take for you to to rise up to become mayor of the machine politics of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I think usually a lot of times they'll show things like that. They'll show people like that, or they'll portray characters like that on on TV and movies, and they'll be a little like doddering or 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 kind of dipshits. But those people aren't dipshits generally. To be able to get to a position like that, you have to be, you know, like I said before, Machiavelli. Um, we meet him in the pilot, and the animating action of of this show is that he's been diagnosed as the mayor, sitting mayor of Chicago, with Lewy body dementia. Um, and the diagnosis he chooses to keep it secret. Uh, just out of like pride and hubris, right. and the conflict is that if you're mayor of Chicago, that's one of the most consequential positions in the country. It's a, it's an incredibly sure. powerful position. It's more powerful. They actually have a whole story arc about how he's more powerful than the governor of Illinois, and the governor of Illinois has to you know seek his approval for anything that 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 she wants to do. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's an incredible show. It was. Clear out the box and let Kelsey Grammer just eat the scenery, just chew it to pieces. Mm. And the character he plays, I loved so much because he was just purely evil. He was like a Tony Soprano character Mm -hmm. where, like, they really try to get you to care about him. And they get 90% of the way there. And then he does something just another irredeemably evil thing. And you're like, no, fuck this guy. But it's like if if Tony Soprano... The joke with Tony, with Tony Soprano and the Soprano, I don't know how big of a Sopranos fan you were or not, but big like, fan. okay, so you remember the way they set up Tony, and I always loved this uh, about that show, is that he was smart. He was the smartest guy in Newark, sure. and, which was like, okay, that's it. But he he, he was like, is <laughs> like, who fucking cares that you're the smartest guy in Newark? Right. Um, this character is basically if like, what if Tony Soprano had fifty more IQ points, a hundred thousand people on his payroll, and a ten billion dollar budget? And that's what he he's an he's an organized he's a mobster by any definition of the word, just like any any mayor of Chicago basically has to be incredible show. Um, Yeah. Again, another one that that ends on a on a cliffhanger. um, Of course, it was canceled after its second season. Yeah, of course. Boss Kelsey Grammer doing big things there. Wow. Okay, so yeah, 
two that I have not seen, although I looked up Boss when you were talking, and I definitely remember seeing like the promotional stuff and trailers and stuff like that. So they put money behind it. The first yeah. season they they like really marketed it. Yeah. yeah, so I know of that one at least. All right, so I got to run on comedies coming up here, man. So my number four is one of my favorite like sitcoms of the last twenty years, easily. Let's see if I have the year. Yeah, so it, it premiered in two thousand thirteen. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It ended in 2013. It premiered in 2011. It's a show called Happy Endings. You know of Happy oh, Endings? Great show. Oh, yes. I so, love Happy Endings. Yeah. So good, man. Uh, Alicia, yeah. Alicia Cuthbert, who I'm in love with, was on that show. Mm-hmm. She was in a movie a few years prior called The Girl Next Door, which is one of my favorite great. comedies. Great movie, too. Yeah, it's a good movie. Damon Wayans Jr., who I don't know if it's just me, but he is so hilarious to me. Like He just cracks me up so much. He looks exactly like his father, too, so there's a little bit of nostalgia there. It trips me out when I see him, like when my wife is watching something on Netflix and I see him, and I'm like, this looks like a very new show with like a 20-year-old Damon Wayans. How right. am I watching this right now? Right, <laughs> it's right. so weird. Yeah. And then uh, we got introduced to Adam Pally on this show. Um, he's gone on to do great things. But I love Happy Endings. I mean, it just really takes that Friends formula um, that had kind of been worn out on that show and was kind of tired at the time and just kind of rejuvenated it, made it a little more hip, you know, it kind of fit with the times a little bit better. And it had a really cool premise. You know, um, a lot of different outlets said that it was one of the worst television decisions in history when they canceled it as early as they did after three seasons because it was just adored and it was like kind of in that yeah. in that bridge where like people my age dug it and then people that were like in college probably dug it. So it kind of like fit different age brackets too, uh demographic wise, but it was just short-lived and it just kind of the the ratings tailed off on it and it and they decided right. to cancel it after 3 seasons, but I actually rewatched some of this recently just for the hell of it. It was on Hulu and I'm just like checking it out. It holds up, yeah. man. I mean, there's a lot of great characters on the show that really bounce off each other really well. So, you know, if you're a fan of like that Friends kind of sitcom, you know, rom-com story arc, I think Happy Endings is, in my opinion, better, which might be a hot take. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I'm not a huge Friends fan either. So I guess that's not going to surprise anyone. But Happy Endings, my number four. Did you watch this when it aired initially? Not when it aired initially. I caught up on it. I, I dis- My wife discovered it on Netflix. And cool. um, it was one of those, like, come out uh, after putting the kid to sleep. She's already, like, two episodes deep. I li- just kind of sink into the couch and watch it with her. Yeah. I, you know, what, what do you think about this? As a, another – we talk about, like, operating theories, things that we don't really have, like, full evidence of, but, like, kind of suspect. Yeah. Do you think that there's something to the idea that when they went away from the two-camera in-studio audience, which is, you know, famously cost-effective way to film a sitcom, and they went to the single-camera scripted, do you think that a show like Happy Ending suffered where maybe if it had that lower cost point of being filmed in front of a live studio audience and it was like a little bit more cost-effective to film, um, it might have lasted a few more years? And I also think of shows like New Girl. When I think of this too. Right. Yeah. There's a ton of them. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's an argument that, that could be made for that. I guess we don't really know because some of them are really successful and last you yeah. know, forever, but I don't know. I mean, for me, I think, you know, we were talking, we were mentioning friends, which is an obvious comparison for this particular show, but with that live studio audience thing, it's just, it kind of gotten a little tired. I feel like, like, I feel like it yeah, was it a feels little weird to watch that now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause even my daughter, who's going to be 20 this year, when when I watch like Seinfeld reruns, I mean she'll laugh at some of the jokes and stuff, but she'll be like, "That's so cheesy. Why are people?" You know, in, in other words, it's weird because like it's normal to us, you know, like for watching yeah. Cheers or like whatever. But 
I don't know. It's just like people of a certain generation, when it gets past it's, a certain yeah. year, they just don't even realize like, oh, people like went and watched this. Like, why are they laughing? You know, it's it, it's anachronistic. It's something yeah. that people who are younger, your daughter's age, look and they're like, why? What? Why is that even happening? Why would there be a bunch of people laughing? Right. It's almost like it's yeah. like not cool to do or something. You know? And well, like, they removed somebody edited out. Uh, I forget. I think it might have been like Big Bang Theory or something like that, where they edited out the laugh track to uh-huh. show you how absurd it is that people would be laughing at the at the jokes. Because when you take out the laugh track, it's like they take out the. Um, pavlovian signifier that you're supposed to think that that's funny and then all of a sudden it's just the joke left on its uh on its own two legs right like awkward a lot of times, silence right yeah exactly like yeah. awkward silence and they kind of look at each other and wait for the moment to pass it's yeah. so weird when you think about that that's how we were raised though watching shows like that yeah i don't know man i guess that's a great argument you bring up and i guess maybe that's for another time because as i'm <laughs> as i'm sitting here thinking about it when you mention it i mean i really do like both types of filming like i do like both types of shows but I guess if I had to, I'd probably go this route with a single camera. It just seems a yeah. little it just seems a little more like real life, I guess. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? All right, so that's my number four happy endings. You had boss at your number four. What do you got at number three? So at number three, I'm going into the world of streaming. Um, and this was actually the first, I think one of the first couple of streaming uh offerings, uh original content offerings that this platform, uh the platform being Amazon um video. Uh, Amazon Prime Video put out. This is a black comedy and a spy thriller. I think if you know what this show is, you probably you, you probably didn't watch this show, and you probably have the wrong idea about what this show is. Hmm. It lasted it lasted for two seasons. It's a little show called Patriot, and oh, I don't know this. This, one. this is one of my all time favorite things. Patriot. Okay. Yes, Patriot. What's it about? It was created by. It's a, it's a, it was created by a guy named Stephen Conrad. It was basically a. It starred Michael Dorman and Terry O'Quinn and a bunch of people whose faces you know if you watch it. Um, so the log line for Patriot is basically to prevent Iran from going nuclear. Intelligence officer John Tavner must forego all safety nets and assume a perilous non-official knock cover uh, of a mid-level employee at a Milwaukee industrial piping firm. This show mostly doesn't happen in Milwaukee or in Iran. It actually happens in Luxembourg. Hmm. First, I just want to like acknowledge that if you're if you ever were a Kurtwood Smith fan, who's the dad from uh, that '70s show, '70s show, right? Yeah, or, or a Terry O'Quinn fan, who was, um, uh, I believe, he was John Locke on uh, Lost. Um, those two are in this show, and they have a, a number of scenes together that are some of the best things ever filmed. They're <laughs> incredible. Those two playing off each other, but this show is. Not at all what it sounds like by me reading that logline to you. Okay. This show is an exploration of male friendship and male intimacy. And a a thing that you don't really see explored on television or in movies at all. A thing where, like, where you actually become friends with a guy. And, like, you, Mm -hmm. you, like, get to know each other. And you have misunderstandings about who you are when you first meet. And sort of learning to have empathy about like oh i did the, the the character the main character who's played by michael dorman um you know john tapner who also has to uh go by other aliases he's thought to be sort of an incompetent shit at his job but it's not really his job he's you know basically a knock undercover agent and he sucks at pipe fitting he sucks at, at doing that job yeah and he takes a lot of heat for it and it's just like this really quiet it's it's almost like if david lynch had directed homeland it's wow. like it, it's okay. it's it's something that you can't really explain you hooked me on um, that one <laughs> you yeah. got me on that i would say and the other thing i want to mention about it 
because I don't want to spoil too much if people want to go watch it. It's still on Amazon. Again, it's canceled. It has a, you know, yeah. it has a, a cliffhanger. It's not going to be a satisfying Ugh. cliffhanger for you. But the second season does this thing, an, a, a, almost a whole season long arc where they do probably the best visual representation I've ever seen in my life of extended mental and physical exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen that innovative or interesting of a portrayal of somebody who's pushed to their breaking point and can barely keep their eyes open and whose body is falling apart. And um, it's, it's like maddening and it gives you that like feeling inside where you're like, God damn it. I wish this guy would just lay down and rest, Uh, but he can't. And um, the filmmaking's incredible. Stephen Conrad also did a show called perpetual grace LTD, which nobody watched, not a single person on the planet except me watched and uh, on (laughs) epics on a channel called epics. Oh, epics. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's it's and he's an incredible writer, Stephen Conrad. But um, it's it's I don't know if you're a big um, Ted Lasso fan. Or oh not. yeah, I like Ted Lasso it, for sure. It has a lot of that kind of vibe, like that feeling of like like uh, it's earnest. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not ironic. It's not um, acerbic. It's very like it's it's very the feelings that people feel are 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 you know represented and and um, expressed and. And acknowledged by the other people. And it's it's great. I, okay. I don't know. If you want to learn how to be friends with dudes, watch Patriot. <laughs> Maybe I should then. Yeah. <laughs> Patriot. That sounds good, man. You got three here that I'm thinking about adding to the queue, man. So, so far, so good. That's another one that yeah. I had not even heard All of. Right. I hadn't even heard of Patriot. Patriot got buried. It it was it, it fell apart. It came out at the same time as Man in the High Castle, and Man in the High Castle got all of the marketing and promotional yeah. budget at Amazon in that same window. It got where, you. yeah. So it did. It it, it was kind of doomed from the start. Yeah, it's most, sometimes it's tough on the front end with that stuff, you know. So Patriot's your number mm-hmm. three. My number three uh, was actually mentioned on a recent episode, and it, it hadn't come up before that. And here it is coming up twice, basically in the, like a two week period, but. I love this show so much, and it just recently got canceled, which super bummed me out. But it's a show on Netflix called Santa Clarita Diet. Ah, uh, yeah, I have to watch this. It's I have it. I have uh, it queued, so and good. I just haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So good because it's such a great blend. Uh, I mean, it's a horror comedy show. I'm a huge right. horror fan, which you may or may not know, but that's my favorite genre of yeah. film, typically speaking. And this is a show that's very horrific. It's a zombie story, basically. It's, she's Drew Barrymore portrays the undead. And, of course, Drew Barrymore has a horror lineage uh, with Scream, which we mentioned earlier, and Firestarter and some other stuff. Oh, yeah. So I just think that's an awesome callback, too, that they you know chose to cast her. And then Timothy Oliphant plays her husband. They're these real estate agents in the suburbs, you know, in California. And Timothy Oliphant from Scream, too, by the way. So he also has he- a Scream connection. Timothy Oliphant is one of those actors oh, who just so re- cool. refuses to miss. He never misses. He everything he picks to do is great. I was gonna say one of the coolest. Du- he's got to be one of the coolest yeah. dudes like on earth. I mean, he's just so yeah, cool. Absolutely justified. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> man. Yeah. But this, but this show is cool too because it showed a different side of him where he's playing like the suburban dad, you know, and he's dropping dad jokes and like you know dressing with the khakis, you know, and like it was just <laughs> a different vibe for him. But he was still so cool in it. And the dynamic between between him and Drew Barrymore was awesome, and they were the draw, right? But I also love the kids on this show, which I typically hate kid actors. But there yeah. was a couple young teen actors on this show. They were like next-door neighbors, their daughter, um, the, the two main characters' daughter, and then next door, the son. And they kind of mm-hmm. had like a little like you know high school romance going on, but they were also – he was in on her secret of being uh, a flesh eater, basically – 
So, you know, he's like, this young kid's like, oh my God, a zombie lives next door to me. And he knows all about zombies. You know, he plays the video games and knows he's a horror fiend just like me, you know. So that was a really cool element built into the show too. But it's basically just like, you know, a standard sitcom, like, you know, a married couple yeah. in the suburbs. But what if one of them was a zombie, you know, was undead and had to like mm-hmm. eat humans, you know? It's just like such a funny premise to me. And it also kind of plays to my horror love as well. But you said you hadn't seen this, right? I haven't. I'm going to watch this yeah, show. Check I, it out. I, what blows my mind about this show is that this is a show that actually had, I always like kind of, um, invoke this this phrase cultural conversation which is like where you go into work and people are talking about a thing mm-hmm. right and it's rare i mean like maybe what one percent of shows get that right, right? It, where where there's some significant put this was a show that had that yeah i remember people were talking about this show there were articles being written about this show yeah. it had its moment in the sun and it was a moment in the sun when netflix was signing fat checks to almost anybody yeah for for things that nobody was watching, and this here's something where there actually are, by all accounts, because it's so sort of opaque how Netflix's you know ratings work, but by all accounts, a lot of people were watching this, and it goes back to our initial conversation when we just started up. I'm like, how did they make that decision I know. to cut this show? I and I haven't watched it yet, but everybody whose opinion I respect thinks it's great, yeah. and um, so I'm sure it was. It was just canceled officially in 2019, so it's pretty recent. And it premiered yeah. in uh, 2017. So it only was around for a couple of years, but obviously it's still on Netflix. So I say check it out if you're into that kind of thing. I love Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I love horror. So I was all about it. And it was really funny, too. You know, it was really funny. So Santa Clarita mm-hmm. Diet. And we are up to our runner-ups. What do you got at number two over there, DQ? My runner-up is, uh, again, we're, we're firmly in the territory of things that are some of my favorite things in my entire life, right? right. And um, this is something that, came along at a, at a moment when I when I personally really needed this show mm-hmm. and I I like I joke around I fuck around I make fun of these things a lot and I joke about this kind of stuff a lot but you'll never hear me usually be this earnest about something um being transformative and something that I recommend that every single person should watch this is a show that was on AMC it ran for two seasons um it was an hour long drama you know comedy sort of absurdist comedy type thing it was called Lodge 49 hmm. and Lodge 49 was created by Jim Gavin it was executive produced by um Paul Giamatti actually oh wow and it's it starred uh before um Falcon and the Winter Soldier fame uh Wyatt Russell son of Kurt Russell mm-hmm. uh, and Goldie Hawn um playing sort of the main character of the show a guy named Dud who is a little bit of like a millennial take on the dude from um from Big Lebowski oh okay and uh, Brett Jennings, who if you, if you don't know who Brett Jennings is, just Google his name. You know who he is. He's uh, that guy. He's a guy who's in everything. Okay. And uh, Sonia Cassidy, who's now you know kind of made a bigger career for herself since then, uh, playing Liz Dud's sister. The show is sort of organized into these um, defining like mythological mysteries. Most of them have to do with this ancient quote unquote order of the links. It, it, it's not much different from like your typical Elks Lodge or mm-hmm. like your typical, you know, kind of place, like club where where people in their 40s and 50s spend their time with their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we come to find out is that this Order of the Links has this long, deep, nefarious roots, like going back thousands and thousands of years. It's and and the story kind of takes its cues from from that, these sort of 
lower middle class, working class people who are part of this this community group in there in in Long Beach where they live mm-hmm. in California. But it's this surreal, magical, uh, it, like one of those shows where kind of like season one of True Detective, where you're not sure if supernatural things exist in the world or not. You're not sure if it's people's perception if people are this guy dud plays this um basically a loser who's adrift after the death of his father uh he gets brought to the lodge kind of by really random outrageous fortune um ernie brings him in and uh kind of indoctrinates him into the ways that they do things it's just this really beautiful tender thoughtful like challenging show it kind of challenges a lot of your preconceived notions about the way people live Mm -hmm. and I've never seen a show like this that delves into the topics that it does because what it what it's really looking at in this little slice of Long Beach, California, is deindustrialization, um, the failed promises of capitalism, like uh, uh, where where a lot of people are being left and like what kind of what remnants they're taking from American life and rebuilding into mm-hmm. into their own you know community or their own society and their own social structures that don't really match things um, that their parents told them that they could expect like oh you're gonna have a a great wage job and you're gonna have a wife and a 2.3 kids and you know like it's it's kind of exposing a lot of the 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 promise of the 21st century that didn't come to pass and it's done very deftly never over your head never beat never beating you with over the head with like too much messaging or anything like that it's it's really brilliantly done and um and on top of all of that sort of social meta commentary there's this mystery box where you're like, what the hell is going on with this lodge? Mm-hmm. What is going on with these catacombs that are like built into it? It's just, it's incredible. What, and again, you know, hate to say it, but you don't get, you don't get resolution. You don't get closure. Yeah. I was going to ask about that, but was this set yeah. in present day? Present day. It was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. This sounds very interesting to me. And I guess it's fairly yeah. recent if Wyatt Russell was uh, in that thing. Cause he's not an old dude. I mean, he's only been around for. Well, this was one of his. This was his breakout. I think he was incredible. In would this. you say and the year he, was on Lodge Forty Nine, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen? Okay, so yeah, it was seasons. really recent. Oh. Okay, yeah. uh, I will have to look these up, man. You're giving me all this homework, DQ. Damn it, <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to do that. I'll say man. Lodge Lodge Forty Nine is is probably of these shows because my number one is a very very specific taste, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure we'll get to it. My number one is like you, you kind of got to be Mine's a person that's specific, into it. yeah. And, but if I if I could tell anybody to walk away from listening to this podcast and pop something on, I would say go into Hulu, pop on the you know into the AMC vertical and watch Lodge Forty Nine. Okay, and that would be my biggest my biggest recommend out of all these shows. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So uh, here's another comedy. So you got all the like hard hitting dramas over there, and I'm over here like this idiot. This thirty minute <laughs> comedy, like no nah, man, like, we're mixing uh, it up. We're mixing it up. We we balance each other out, you know, like dick humor <laughs> or whatever. But you mentioned Stars earlier with Boss, and there was a show on Stars that I actually rewatched last year for a podcast that I went on, and I watched it in, in its uh, initial run. It's a show. I know where you're going. It's a show called Party Down, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. They're talking about a, a reunion for Party Down, and that would be a dream yeah. come true. But, you know, so many actors that at the time, you know, we really didn't know who they were unless we were like into right. like the indie stand up comic scene. But I mean, Adam Scott, Ken Marino, Jane Lynch, Martin Starr, Lizzie Kaplan. Dude, I'm mm-hmm. in love with her. She's the best. Incredible. Uh, Megan Mullally was on the show, who later, you know, broke big with Will and Grace. Jen- Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch, yeah. Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler's mom, is on the show for one season. Yep. 
just so many characters up and down the call sheet on this show and so many cool cameos in the show too, you know, right. and, and there were, um, Paul Rudd was a creator on the show. So he was one of the writers of the pilot and it was kind of his idea, the show initially with another writer called, uh, named Rob Thomas. And they came up with this concept and, you know, you mentioned kind of with Lodge 49 coming along at the right time, you know, and I've been in restaurants my whole life. And I did have a small run where I worked for a catering company where we like catered weddings and like, you know, bank- uh-huh. banquets and stuff like that. So it, it really did come along at a time when it like really, really spoke to me. Like it would be very similar if you were in a like nine to five office gig and you were really into the office. Like that's right. what this show did for me just because that was my setting, you know. So all right. the jokes they made, all the stuff they ran into, all the different characters they would encounter, you know, like customers, so to speak. Like, I saw all those types of personalities. I got all of those jokes. And this is a show that I will absolutely rewatch anytime. Like, if it's on, I, like, it will play it, and I just can't turn off because it's hilarious. And um, J.K. Simmons cameo on the show is one of the best cameos in the history of TV. He plays he's this. Incredible. He plays this really. Two times. Like, he comes to. He, yeah, he's like dude. recurring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he plays this well. really just like prick, dickhead, like Hollywood producer, or Hollywood whatever. dude. Yeah, and he's yeah, producer. So uh, like, just YouTube J.K. Simmons on Party Down is like the best character. They wrote that co- that part for him so well. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, for him to just like you know sink his teeth into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do his thing, man. Did you watch this initially in its run, or you saw it later? I caught it. Um, in the middle of its second season, which again, this was a show that was doomed to only two seasons. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that kept this off my list, I'll tell you, is um, the fact that I didn't. I, I discounted it on a technicality because I've been told, or I've heard, or read that it's it's been renewed for a new season. Like, oh, uh, yeah, like like kind of like Arrested Development. I was, think it's like where, a revival. They, I thought it was just like a reunion thing, like a one time thing. I didn't know they were going to do. Like that's a new how show. all these. That's how they all start now. Like, um, okay, I, this right. is this isn't this isn't a TV show, but like for instance, when they um when they said that they were going that Netflix was when Netflix said that they were going to make a um uh Wet Hot American Summer TV show, it was supposed to only be like a. a one-time event mm-hmm. and then they ended up doing like three more seasons of it same thing with arrested development yeah. they're like three or four seasons into the very now mediocre netflix version of, of arrested development right i guess that would be a revival as opposed to like a reunion but i don't know yeah. maybe you're right maybe i didn't research that thorough enough but i thought it was going to be like a reunion no, you might be right i thought it was gonna be like a two-hour reunion thing which i would be fucking thrilled to get because you got to imagine yeah. i mean the magic's gonna be gone if you do a revival that's what happened with arrested development because I'm kind of like you. I loved AD, and I could have put that on this list too. But it is like they've had they draw on right. It's on right now, basically. So, right, it just felt weird. But to me, Arrested Development is what we got on Fox. That's Arrested Development, you know. So, so, so you sit down in the writers' room and you tell me which direction do you go with this, right? You're they brought you in. You're gonna you're gonna uh, you're gonna be doing punch or not punch up. You're gonna be doing writing on on um, this this uh, revival or um you know renewal or whatever of whatever party down is does have they all are they all still like restaurant workers or did they all become famous and then fall back down to being restaurant workers <laughs> i think that which way like i think that would be funnier i think it would be funnier if they were like kind of over their you know success like they kind of yeah. had their 15 minutes you know or however long it was and then and, done and now they're yeah. just like struggling on the back end you know 
I think that they'll have to come crawling back I think, kind of to the to to, uh, to part to party down. I think that would be a good arc, you know. Or if it was just like a reunion thing, you know, it could be something like they just you know go to an event where they where they are and like one of them's working the event or something like that. You know, I don't know. It could be it, you could do a lot of different things, and I'm sure there are writers that are much more talented than I am. But I would I would be tuning in for it. That's for sure. Heck yeah. So Party Down is my number two, and we're up to our number ones, DQ. What do you got, man? What is the number one that you said was a very acquired uh, show, right? Very acquired taste, very specific to your experiences. And also, um, you know, I almost didn't count this one on a technicality because it's kind of hard to say a show is, uh, di- like, it, it, it's short-lived if it ran from 2003 to 2018 but okay <laughs> uh, but <laughs> right. this show could have this show could have run another 15 years it could have had another 7 seasons it's had 7 seasons so far it's animated um which is why it takes kind of so long it's a very good animated show that ran on adult swim half hour black comedy uh superhero i don't know like genre uplifting or like a genre bending type of show that's one of my favorite probably my favorite show of my entire life it's called venture brothers Venture Brothers. Huh, I don't yeah, know. Venture Brothers is my favorite show of my life. The first time I watched Venture Brothers, I was 23 years old. I was in a Motel 6, and I was driving across the country, like, trying to have, like, a, uh, uh, you know, on-the-road Kerouac-type moment, trying to, like, figure out what my life was going to be. Yeah. And, um, and I encountered this show that was presaging a huge cultural movement that we're or cultural shift that we're seeing right now where we every other superhero IP comic book thing that comes out, it's like, oh no, no, this isn't a superhero show. It's subverting a superhero show. Oh, these superheroes smoke and say fuck and they get laid, you know? Like they like that's the boys, invincible, a lot of this stuff that's coming out right now, forget it. Venture Brothers is the originator okay. of, of subverting superhero action genre tropes in an interesting, um, inventive way. Uh, the, the the key people that I wrote down that I wanted to mention were Jackson Public and Doc Hammer, who was the co-creator and the co-writer, respectively. James Urbaniak, who, if you listen to podcasts, you've heard James Urbaniak's voice before. One of the most famous um, voice actors out there uh-huh. uh, as as Doc Venture. Patrick Warburton oh, played um, yeah. a, like iconic character uh, Brock Sampson, who's like the hyper competent, you know, masculine, all muscle muscle bound dude who is the the um, the bodyguard of the titular family, the Ventures. Uh, this is a, a takeoff, or it started off as sort of a send up of Johnny Quest, which. I don't know if Johnny Quest was playing when you were a kid. I yeah. saw like reruns of it like later on kind of, but it's that old 70s style Hanna-Barbera serial okay. adventure show. It started off as kind of a, a a parody of that. And then it turned into this huge wide ranging like expansive universe of of really inventive but funny <laughs> superheroes and villains. And this deep lore that goes back centuries about like, oh, you know, the Guild of Calamitous Intent and they've always been like back to the core origins of evil. It reminds me a lot of like um it's 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 like having a lot of fun with like the shield and uh Hydra tropes yeah. and G.I. Joe and Cobra. They like have a lot of fun with the imagery of that and okay. appropriating it and messing with it and and for you know, eighties and nineties kids, you watch it and it's like it's like running a hot comb over your brain. It just feels like nice. You're like, <laughs> All right. yeah, this is what's up. This is what's All up. Right. Uh, yeah. Venture. So Venture Brothers was canceled, unfortunately, um, 
uh, in 2020, they announced that it was going to be canceled. And um, it was one of those shows that so was that like, like a, a, was that like a moment for you? I mean, was that I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm saying like, you know, no, sometimes, no, sometimes when you hear these cancellations, it just kind of hits you. It, it does. And it's funny because there's, there's like so many things about this show where, you know, you always you always have to kind of consider things in the moment. Mm-hmm. And people always say like, oh, they couldn't make blaze. I, I don't know if you've ever heard people say this, that, oh, they can't they could never make blazing saddles today because of yeah. like the political incorrectness. Fucking, they could not make Venture Brothers today. This is like <laughs> yeah. a messed up show, especially some of the early seasons. Sure, it gets a pa- it gets a pass because it makes fun of, it has fun with a lot of uh, marginalized communities. But the creators are members of a lot of those so it's marginalized like, it's like communities. Self aware, it's self awareness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a cult show that kind of grew into. The the kind of show where you know there's merchandising tie-ins and lots of apparel and you know I, I have a Venture Brothers T-shirt and um, you know I think it might end up coming back with a special you know uh, based on what I've heard from HBO Max and what I've wow, heard from cool. uh, you know social media so I think that would be awesome but Venture Brothers is if you I'll recommend this if you like that kind of weird shit if you're sure. into like that I mean I that, like that, that yeah, I of, like you yeah. know it is all animated you said right. Animated. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like, you know, I, I don't do a ton of animation, like, television shows like a lot of my friends do. But, I mean, I like, you know, some stuff like Adventure Time and Rick and Morty and, you know, South Park. And, yeah. like, I'll I'll do some, uh, you know, serialized animation shows for sure. So, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I mean, it sounds awesome. And it's cool that especially yeah. you. I feel bad that I wasn't able to add to the conversation on any of your picks, though, because I hadn't heard of any of them. <laughs> except for Boss. I wanted to, hey, I wanted to be, like... <laughs> Very, you know, underground. I wanted to come with the with the stuff that people haven't, was, haven't necessarily heard. Yeah, of, I love you know? when guests do that. That's why I have the guests pick the topics whenever possible because I know it's going to be, yeah. you know, special to you. So that's great. Yeah. Now, my number one man is obviously much different than what yours was, but this is a. And I told you I had an anecdote for my number one. This is definitely the one I'm most excited about when you pitched this topic to me, and it's also the first one I thought of. And here it is, sitting at my number one. Nothing could top it for me. Is it an amazing show? I don't know that people would necessarily say it like blew them away amazing. But sometimes, and you just kind of mentioned it with Venture Brothers, things happen in your life at the exact right moment. And this show is a time capsule not only to when it took place, but to me in my life at that time. I was graduating high school and entering college when this show was popular. It only ran for what ultimately ended up being two seasons. It was 19 episodes. My so-called life. Oh man, that's a great pick. Damn, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of that pick. Fuck. And then when you saying that made me just think of Freaks and Geeks too. Freaks Fuck. and Geeks is in like- my honorable mentions. That's another one. <laughs> but this one even more so, just because, like I said, it was I was literally the kids on this show. And yeah. what is so funny, man, as I'm re-watching it right now, it's on Hulu. And I'm up to like episode 12. I'm going through all of them because I got invited to go on a show and talk about it, uh, another podcast. Uh, my friend Ashley does a, a, a TV podcast called Rabbit Ears where she talks about shows that, that got canceled. So I'm going to be talking about that with her. So I'm re-watching them all on Hulu. And what's funny is as a 45-year-old dad now, because I don't know if you recall, but you know they had the storyline with the parents too. So you had the young kids that were in high school you know, going through all the issues that they were going through that high schoolers deal with. Um, you know, when, you know, just different things that you go through. Right? right. And as back then, I didn't even, it's almost it's like, I didn't even remember the parents were on the show or, you know what I mean? Cause I yeah. was like, I didn't care about I, in my mind, in my mind, I can't <laughs> picture the parents yeah. at all. Like, like I didn't care about, like there's an episode where they're like, 
getting audited by the RS. And then there's an episode where like oh my the God, dad, I forgot about that. The dad's like doing wallpaper because he quit his job. And, like, but I don't even like remember any of that stuff. But now watching it, I'm like feel myself like really into the parents' story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess it's kind of genius in that way if you really think about it, because it's two completely different generations. But I am a product of the mid '90s for sure. I mean, I got the Nirvana T-shirt here on the video chat today, as you can see, DQ. Yeah. But I love that whole era, the grunge aesthetic, and this was really a grunge-heavy show. I mean, Jared Leto was introduced right. to the world in the show, and now he, you know, he is what he is. Claire Danes. He wasn't, and he wasn't even. He wasn't Jared Leto for the first ten years of him being famous. He was Jordan Catalano. That's right. Like you, nobody thought of him as Jared Leto. He was Jordan Catalano. That's right. Every girl, every teenage girl, was like Jordan Catalano is in is in the new movie Fight Club. Like you <laughs> that's, know right. that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, it took him a while to shake off the Jordan Catalano for sure. But for sure. Uh, yeah, it took place near uh, Pittsburgh, which I always thought was really cool too, like in the show, you know. But it was obviously shot in California. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it had that real kind of gritty, grungy feel. Claire Danes, I've always been a huge fan of hers, and I was introduced to her, obviously, on this show. And I think that's probably why I've just kind of followed her career, you know, and Leto's too, right. to be honest. Um, but yeah, I love this show, man. It's a time capsule. Like, don't get me wrong. If anybody goes to Hulu right now and you've never seen My So-Called Life and you start watching it, if you were not around or of age in the 90s, you're going to be like, you're going to turn it you off. You had to be there. You're going to turn it you off. Like, you're not going to be into it. So it's right. it's literally like frozen in time to 1993 right. 1994 when it aired so that's my number one my so-called life and i'm re-watching it right now as we speak which is great well not as we speak because that would be rude to you but <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you just wait hang on a second yeah, there's a commercial this is break a great scene up, yeah. uh, dq give me a second <laughs> so there we go man so my so-called life rounds out my top five i tell you what man Damn, that's a really good. That's a really good number one. Thanks, brother. Oh, yeah. Let's take a quick yeah. promo break, DQ. Uh, just take a breath, you know. And then when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up our list for everyone, and then we're going to give our honorable mentions. Okay, sit tight. We Sounds will good. be right back, guys. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. All right, guys, welcome back. As I said, pre-break DQ, David Q, uh, just it's got so many names over there, so many titles. But you know him from the bird titles and titles podcast. and titles and titles. You know from Game of what was that et Game cetera, of Thrones? Et titles, titles. <laughs> uh, but you know him from Bird Road podcast, and he's a first time guest here on the Peas. And we just had a great discussion for our top five short lived television shows canceled too early. DQ, why don't you remind everybody of your top five again? Just go through it. Yeah, so starting at number five, we had The Bridge on FX that ran for a couple of seasons in 2013-2014. Boss on Stars, uh, which is still available over there on Stars, ran for two seasons as well. Patriot on Amazon, another two-season special. Um, Lodge 49 only ran for two seasons on AMC. And then Venture Brothers, which ran from 2003 to 2018, seven seasons. 
Um, and that is on Adult Swim. You can probably find it these days on like Hulu okay. or HBO Max, I think. So, yeah. Okay, cool, man. My top five was – my number five was Life from 2007, an NBC show with Damian Lewis. My number four was Happy Endings. Number three was Santa Clarita Diet. My number two was Party Down. And my number one was My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was my life in 1994 when, when, that, <laughs> when that show came out. So that was our yeah. top fives. Now, uh, I've got five honorable mentions that I was able to, to uh, jot down here to round out my top ten. What about you, buddy? What didn't quite make the top five that you want to shout out? Okay, so number six was a TV show that was on HBO for only one season. They filmed two seasons, but they didn't show the second one because they killed a bunch of horses. And I don't mean that in the show. The, I mean, like, in reality, they killed a bunch of horses wow. during the show. Um, and it was a show called Luck, which was um, just like a uh, David Milch. Uh, just, uh, uh, like, I mean, it was like a, a star-studded. It, star it was going to be the next big HBO show mm-hmm. um, on each, uh, uh, you know, after Sopranos. And um, it had Dustin Hoffman. It was a TV show with Dustin Hoffman mm, in it. It was incredible. Okay. And yeah, and it was a great, great show. So Luck was number six. Number seven, AMC's Into the Badlands. Just badass, awesome action, fighting, killing, murdering. One of the best action shows I've seen. Um, here's the one that I mentioned at the top of the show that is going to harken back to our days as kids. Liquid Television on MTV. <laughs> yeah, sure. Now, I think we... <laughs> We think of Liquid Television as always being there when we were young, sure. but it was only on for three seasons. There were only 27 episodes of Liquid wow, Television. Wow, it does feel like so, it was a million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number nine would be Undone on Amazon. I don't know if you got a chance mm-hmm. to see that. It, it was the same creative team that did um, that did uh, BoJack Horseman, uh-huh. um, but it was this very existential um, kind of like breathy, thoughtful, you know, uh, trippy, head, heady kind of um, animated Wrote, it wasn't technically animated. It was rotoscoped. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw um, a uh, a scanner darkly with Keanu uh, yeah. Reeves, but that type of that type of animation they call it rotoscope. Yeah, and um, it was great. And then number ten is a show that you guys mentioned last week, actually, Glow on Netflix. Yeah, it's a good one. Which only lasted three seasons and was one of the best things that Netflix ever did. It really was. And yeah, mm. and was canceled Betty just Gilpin, uh, unceremoniously. Al- yeah, Betty Gilpin, yeah. Allison Brie, you can't go wrong, man. That was a great show. Yep. And Mark yep. Maron was really good on that show too. All right. Yeah, it was great. Uh, my number six would have been a show called Pushing Daisies. Did you ever see that one? Ooh, good show. Yeah, good show. I yeah, remember that, that was show. a great show. I was. I just remember, you know, I didn't know anything about the ratings or whatever, but I just remember being baffled that Pushing Daisies got canceled because I just loved it so much. I thought it was such a cool, like, inventive concept. Yeah. My number seven would have been Firefly, which got mentioned over in our YouTube chat. That's, um, you know, it's really cool because it's kind of like, let's do like a Star Wars Western type show on, on TV, you know, which is something yep. now, of course, Star Wars has all their own series, but at the time it was something kind of unique, you know, number eight would have been freaks and geeks, which we also, uh, have had mentioned Great a couple of times. My number nine was a show called heroes on NBC, which was a, a cool, I thought a cool superhero show, but like, how long did that run? I think it was did five the- years. I think, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that's a show that started off incredibly str- – I didn't watch it, but I, I remember the, the the line on it was that it started off incredibly strong mm-hmm. and then kind of like tailed off a little bit and people like lost interest. Yeah, it's, it's a concept that was hard to keep up with, I think. But, yeah. you know, their whole marketing was was like genius, you know. Because uh, yeah, it was the that. whole thing with Hayden Pantier and it was like, you know, who will save the cheerleader I think was the tagline or whatever. 
right. and it was just like a really cool marketing concept. And I was really into that show and I loved all the different, you know, abilities that they introduced. And, and you know, you mentioned earlier too, with like the boys and all these, all these shows now, but I mean, at the time it wasn't really being done, at least not on TV. No, you know? not at all. Yeah. And then my number Great. 10, you know, Joss Whedon might be problematic or whatever. I don't know, maybe, but, uh, the dollhouse, do you ever see dollhouse on Fox? No. What is, what is so that? I don't remember that. Dollhouse one. ran for, I want to say two seasons, but it starred, uh, Eliza Dushku as the lead. And it was, uh, like a sci-fi futuristic show where these, um, basically like attractive females for lack of a better way to put it would get their memory erased and very wealthy and well-established men or people could basically rent them and they would have uh, a personality or another person implanted into their mind and they would be that person while they were being rented. If, oh, does that make sense oh my or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. I, and what happens, it, yeah. what happens is in the show, um, you know who um, Alan Tudyk is, right? So Alan Tudyk was in yeah. it. And he works there. He's like one of the like, I guess, equivalent of like an IT guy, basically. Um, And he works there. And Eliza Dushku is one of the dolls. And her memory starts to kind of come back to her, you know, and he like starts helping her on the inside. And so she starts to kind of unravel this mystery about why they're there and what their deal is. And, you know, she's Uh trying to like expose the the agency. So it was really good. That one completely flew under my radar. I did not know about that. And especially considering Joss Whedon was, I would imagine, the showrunner. He he, like Mm -hmm. creator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's interesting. Because I did follow his career. I was into all his stuff when I was younger. And um, uh, this sounds like something I just maybe wasn't paying attention at that moment. Yeah. And I, it just flew under my radar. I want to say it was two seasons, but it was really stylized. It was really cool. You know, it was on Fox, so it was a little tame probably. I mean, I feel like it would have been right. a lot better if it had been on like HBO or something. But yeah, yeah Dollhouse. I say check it out if you're into sci-fi, kind of like, you know, futuristic story, kind of like Matrix type stuff, you know. It, it was really cool in that way. Yeah. So. Uh, there you go. So that's our would round out our favorite shows that were short lived. Real quick, because we are running along, man. But I want to head over to Facebook, buddy, and just shout out some fans over in the old suggestion box to see what they have to say, DQ, and see if you're uh, familiar with any of these. I just said, what are some of your favorite short lived or cancel too soon TV shows? Joey mm-hmm. DiCarlo from So Wizard says Space Above and Beyond. I don't know that one. I don't either need a bit more yeah to, yeah to know what that one was yeah, he's a sci-fi That's dude cool. though yeah. so i'm not surprised uh dan truly said pushing daisies i am not okay with this which is a, a recent one i think i am not okay with this got canceled damn thanks a lot dan for the bad news Apparently. i really like that show <laughs> yeah was, damn it's a new show that right sucks. yeah yeah brad from the cinema guys also said space of Ab- above and beyond so i guess i'm gonna have to look that one up and then he says earth two and almost human also shows I'm not familiar with. Melissa from Brook yeah, Reading says two of mine. She says Firefly and My So-Called Life. Firefly is, I would say probably if you if you if if we made if that that question that you asked was sent out as like a survey monkey to a million Americans, I think Firefly would probably end up being like right there at the top. Yeah. I mean, they did the Serenity movie people and, have, you know, everything. Yeah. People loved it. Yeah. It's yeah. good stuff, man. Uh, Christiani says now and again, Viper and Limitless. Limitless was a show I never watched, but I did love the movie with Bradley Cooper. I thought it was a really cool concept. Yeah, how did they turn that into a show? I, I wonder. Don't know. Like, did I guess the same premise and just like exploring that world where people can be super world dominating geniuses <laughs> yeah, with but, a pill? Yeah, like, most likely. <laughs> yeah. Feel good stuff. I always, I always felt like that, 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 that 
the premise of that movie because I never, I, I didn't really, I think I, I was vaguely aware that it was a show, but I always thought that that premise had like a real scalability problem where it was like there's going to be a point where everybody on the planet is limitless yeah. and like what then yeah. you know I was there's got to be a new limit yeah, there's got to be a new limit yeah. at some point <laughs> uh let's see patron josh raglan says trial and error freaks and geeks happy endings and the muppets oh that's sweet the muppets yeah. how long did the muppets run i wonder was was that short-lived yeah i'd say so well i'd say so because they should be on forever <laughs> so if it got canceled well yeah no and, and also the TV shows work differently. Like, for instance, recently I was um, browsing through Hulu and with my daughter, who's age appropriate for this, I I, uh, I started watching Thundercats, mm-hmm. right, from, you know, from, from our childhood. I, Thundercats only went I, – I, I might get this wrong, so if you're out there listening, keep me honest and, you know, let me know if I got it wrong. But I, it was something like two seasons but like 150 episodes. It was Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, how do you even do two seasons, 150 episodes? Holy Lord. Yeah, but they did things differently back then. Like, the the partitions between seasons were different, and also with animated, you know, with animated stuff, it was just like, crank (laughs) it out. Uh, Doug from Good Times, Great Movies, shouted out Push Nevada, a show I've heard of, but I never saw. Oh, I did see the first few episodes of that. I thought it was good. It was a while ago, though. My, My buddy Kevin said, better off Ted which is a show that I'm also familiar with, but I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Let's see. A patron and friend of the show, Michael Hill, says, Pushing Daisies, Minority Report, Almost Human, Firefly, and Glow. Uh, he's a big TV guy, so interesting that those are his yeah. picks. All right. John Campbell says, Titus. You remember uh, Christopher Titus oh, had his I own show? Titus. Yeah. That didn't last very long, but it was good. I feel like it lost a lot of its energy when My Name is Earl came out. I think the same people that were into Titus were into My Name is Earl. Yeah, true. And, like, I think it just kind of stole its thunder a little bit. Uh, patron and friend of the show, Paul, from The Countdown, uh, with a bunch of the crying, laughing emoji faces, says Game of Thrones. <laughs> I think he just wanted that to go on forever, I guess. Damn, damn good answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Joey Austin says Freaks and Geeks. Journeyman, and he says, you're going to have to trust me because it's uh, underseen. Parker Lewis can't lose. Andy Barker. Oh, damn. That's a deep pull. Parker Bar- Lewis can't Parker lose. Parker Lewis can't lose. That was a, that was a, um, that was a drafting off of the energy of, uh, of, um, oh, come on. The, 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 I don't know this one. So you'll have to tell me. The movie, the, I, I can't believe that I'm like blanking right now, but, um, give me the premise. Maybe I- the premise is uh, the, the kid's last, uh, he pretends that he's sick. Uh, he um, stays home from school. Him and Cameron go to downtown Chicago with the girlfriend. Oh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, why am I? Ferris Bueller. Yeah. yeah, that's what Parker Lewis was. It was a it was a vehicle for to to take the popularity of the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off and turn it into a TV show. That's what that's what Parker Lewis can. And I loved it when I was like okay. nine, ten years yeah, old. Yeah, you I was, would I think it was that so would cool. work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also said Andy yeah. Barker, PI. Everything sucks from Netflix and Z Rock. Mm. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, Dan Roski, top tier patron of the show, says free radio, undeclared pitch. Undeclared. Hey, yeah. my guy says life with Damian Lewis. Dan Ro- Dan Roski, he knows me. I can't believe somebody else watched <laughs> it, though. I'm so impressed that Dan watched that. Yeah. Uh, he also says sledgehammer, crashing. Crashing was good. Yeah. I like crashing. And then he said luck, which is, I don't know that I know luck. I was trying to. That's, yeah. That was one of my honorable mentions. Is, um, oh, that's the one you were luck. talking about. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, where they killed a bunch of horses. That's right. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then uh, we'll wrap up on Joe Ketchum. He's always 
uh, commenting. Thank you so much, Joe. He says, Cop Rock, The Clerks, animated series, Dollhouse. There you go. Better Off Ted and Run. Better Off Ted got actually quite a few here. Did you know Better Off? Much res- Do you know Better Off Ted? Yeah. I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, but but much much respect to The Clerks animated show. Like, that's a great pull. Yeah, that's good. That was a show that I probably laughed at more than anything from the years like – I don't know, 1999 through like 2002. That and like Strangers with Candy. I would say those are like the two shows that I laughed at more than anything in my life. That's, that's, that's good stuff, man. Great pull. All right. So look, dude, uh, DQ, I appreciate it, man. You know, I don't get to uh, really dive into TV very often. Um, you know, I do probably 80% of my countdowns are movies. So it's always cool when I yeah. get to kind of, especially with this kind of list where it's like nostalgic and I kind of just reminisce, you know. So, th- so yeah. thanks so much for pitching it, man. And, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Thanks for being here. Why don't you tell everybody yeah. uh, where they can find Bird Road and find you and Jewish Dave if they want to look you guys up? Yeah, sure. First thing, Gerald, thanks for having me on. It was awesome. I love talking about this kind of stuff. I don't usually get to talk about more uplifting and interesting <laughs> stuff like this. Sure. Um, it's, instead, it tends to be like... Um, less less uplifting stuff and you can listen to that less <laughs> uplifting stuff on bird road podcast on apple Podcasts, and anywhere that podcasts are found uh we are also at birdroadpodcast.com we have like all the you know affiliate links or whatever all the um you know link tree or whatever to to send you to whatever your podcast player is and we're on instagram and twitter at bird road podcast so check us out Awesome. Yeah, guys, I'll put everything in the show notes as well. Make sure you click down there, give them a follow, and listen to some of those eps. And once again, man, I really appreciate you being here, okay? Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, we will be back next week. We will have another top five and another pee on the pod. Everybody take care.